and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, welcome to Coffee and Catholics. If you've listened to us the last two episodes, we have been discussing the Beatitudes And this episode, we'll be wrapping that up with the last three. Um, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are probably my three favorite Beatitudes. I just, my heart gets all thumpy every time. I hear they shall see God because like from the beginning, my call, my life, the the, the pool of my life has been to see God on this earth, not just in heaven, but now to experience him and to manifest him to the world, the face of God that is so appealing to me and something I've always hungered for. And Augustine, well, let's start with pure of heart. Augustine has some things to say that I I think it's just, we just have to listen to him on this. This is so beautiful that I just want to share it with you guys. I'm going to read it when he talks about, oh, there goes my phone. There you go. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How foolish, therefore, are those who seek God with outward eyes, since he is seen with the heart. It is written elsewhere, in singleness of heart they seek him, for that is a pure heart, which is a single heart. And just as this light cannot be seen, except with pure eyes, so neither is God seen, unless that is pure, by which he can be seen. And then he goes on to say, Blessed are the peacemakers. It is the perfection of peace where nothing offers opposition and the children of God are peacemakers because nothing resists God in them. And surely children ought to have the likeness of their father. Now they are peacemakers in themselves who by bringing order in all the motions of their soul and subjecting them to reason, to the mind and the spirit, by having their lusts thoroughly subdued, they become a kingdom of God. And that's Augustine on these two, um, and then kind of the, the the last we'll get to a little bit later. I don't think I can add anything to that. I think uh, so. Going back to blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And listening to you, it just kept uh, another light bulb <laughs> moment that when we're pure in heart and our heart is ordered towards God, we are able to see Christ in others. Mm-hmm. We're called to see Christ in others. Uh, even in, in those that we, you know, Jesus tells us love our enemies. And people are like, how can you love your enemy? That's crazy because we see Christ in them. That St. Augustine said something about not being, when we can have we're pure in heart, we can see that light. Mm-hmm. Because if you're pure in heart, you can see, it doesn't matter how dim the light is, you can see it in somebody else. 
And, and you see with your heart is what he's saying. You don't see with outward eyes. The pure in heart see with their heart. Yes. So they don't, they, they see past the pretense. They see past that surface stuff to mm -hmm. the deeper stuff. Well, see, and I've always wondered, like, that's been a question for me for a long time is like, well, how am I supposed to see if like, if this person in front of me is doing something, for instance, that's very, you know, negative towards me or towards loved ones, like, how am I supposed to see God in them? Like, yes, I'm supposed to love them and want their good and will their good for them. <coughs> but how am I supposed to actually see Christ in them? Because they're not doing anything Christ-like at all. So, you know, how do you do that? But I think that it's just thinking about it now, I'm wondering if it's more of a, you know, we are all made in the image of God, that we are all made out of love, for love, um, with a capacity to choose God, to choose goodness. And so looking at people like that, like they have that capacity and they were made for this. They were made for me to love them. And so that is Christ living in them, even if, even if they haven't accepted Christ in them, even if that's not their life that they're living out, they're not, you know, living a, a life of Christianity or belief or anything like that. Like that is, I'm still called to see them as a, as a creation of God. And to see God's presence in it, like, how can I bring him into this? How can I bring the kingdom into this situation? Like, right now it's terrible, and they're being terrible, and there's nothing validating or redeeming about what they're doing. But could I bring about the kingdom in this moment, somehow? Mm -hmm. That single-minded pursuit of the heart of God that Augustine's talking about. I think back to our episode about social justice teaching and, and the dignity of the human person so even if it's hard to see through their actions christ they're still like alicia said created with love and to be loved even if they don't to act that way or feel that way they're still made for love and then there's that aspect of like when I always think of Mother Teresa when I think of pure in heart. And if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that I love her and I'm so inspired by her in my own family life. But I think about the way that she viewed the people that she served. And some of them were incredibly hostile and evil to her. And the people that she would encounter would, you know, reject her. And she would see them as being borne up upon the shoulders of Christ as he bore his cross. And so there was the acknowledgement that this is evil. What these people are doing, what they're doing is wrong. But he is picking them up out of the streets and placing them on his shoulders and seeing them as worthy of that walk for the joy set before him. So the pure in heart, like Mother Teresa, <laughs> see Christ in that moment as the one who's being persecuted. Well, and she called them um, Jesus in the distressing dis disguise. Distressing disguise yeah. yeah. I really like how St. Augustine um, speaks about peacemakers, not just like, it's not just talking about people who are like keeping the peace or, right. you know, like, whereas like that is part of it, um, but really, but also that peace within each of us that, um, how did he put it, bringing in order all the motions of their soul and subjecting them to reason and by having their carnal lust thoroughly subdued 
become a, like they become a kingdom of God. I just I, I hadn't thought about it that way before, um, and that with the Beatitudes, like that talking about the um, that peacemakers meaning like I think of you know, I've always thought of peacemakers and like oh anti-war or you know like trying to you know that middle child syndrome that I have of trying to keep the peace. Don't um, fight. Don't have conflict. Conflict is bad. All conflict is bad. But that's not necessarily... No. (laughs) No. That's for sure. But that keeping that peace within yourself and that being able to subdue that going along with, um, like, the meekness that we talked about in the last episode and, like, for they shall be called the children of God because the children, like, that's what God has handed down to us is this, this ability to live beyond those... You know what? You know what is the, the sinful desires that we have, or the stimulus? The st- yeah, yeah, just the, the things that pull us away from that center of peace where God is, like every day, all day. Can we look beyond that? Come back. I think of that Psalm, Psalm one thirty six. I think it's Psalm one thirty six. Talks about I've stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child at its mother's breast. I don't concern myself with things that are too big for me. I just stay right here in that center place and come back to it. And that, that doesn't mean you're burying your head in the sand. It doesn't mean you ignore the stimulus. It doesn't mean you avoid conflict. And I think Augustine's very clear on that, that it's about ordering those motions and ordering the motions of your soul in response to that stimulus back to that place. And if you read the saints, like all of us, all these saints that we've quoted this entire time even doing this podcast, what's the common thing they're always directing us to not losing our peace mm-hmm. like guarding that above all else that that peace that comes in that well-ordered soul that can see with god's eyes during psalm 136 oh i was wrong <laughs> <laughs> during all this uh, i keep thinking about is uh, jacques philippe's book searching for maintaining peace actually several of his books are talking about maintaining peace mm-hmm. or regaining peace because even sometimes when we find that peace, which we allow Jesus in to work that peace in us, it doesn't mean that crazy isn't still happening, but we have, like Lawrence has, we have ordered our life to where we know that Jesus is going to help us take care of this. God is going to be there for us, and we kind of center ourselves around that. But I also think of Padre Pio, who, like, one of his favorite, or not favorite, but famous quotes is, you know, don't don't worry. <laughs> like, yeah. Just don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit more to it than that, but he, I mean, but that's the gist of the of what he says is he's you know, worrying isn't going to add anything to the situation. Being worked up and you know, I think about this when, we, when I get overwhelmed. There's just all the things coming in. You know, life happens, and there's just all this stuff pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. And how am I going to react to that? Am I going to react in an anxious way or in a non-anxious way? And it doesn't mean that the things aren't, you know, overwhelming. It just means that my reaction to those overwhelming things, how Christ can work through us in those moments, too. When we find peace, then we can exude that peace to others, I found that kind of prevalent through all these beatitudes. Is if we let Christ do these work, these things in us, then we can share His love, His 
peace, his mercy, his everything to others. Well, and one thing I've, I've learned with peace is that it's a gift from God. Like, it's not something that I necessarily need to, like, search for or figure out how I'm going to get that peace. <clears throat> it's, I'm having a stressful moment or I'm having an overwhelming time. And rather than looking at all the the stimuli and everything that's going on around me, I turn my gaze to God. Yeah. And I say, God, this is what's going on. You know, I, I, I give everything to you. I lay it down at the foot of the cross. I'm going to give it to you to take care of. And then by emptying ourselves of that worry, of that control over a situation that we likely don't have control over, or if we do have control over, making room for him, by emptying that out to him, we make room and then he's able to come into us and give us that peace. And we are at a place where we are actually willing to accept it. I think it's a really interesting, important to note too, that we have already been given the peace of Christ. That's a gift that he gave us in our baptism. Um, my peace, I give you, my peace, I leave you. It's not of this world, do I give it to you? Um, it's eternal, you know, when you give a gift, I give a gift to Stacy. it's not gonna last forever. My love will last forever, Stacy. But, no, only because of God. But if I give Stacy a book, it may impact her for a long time, but it will not last forever. What, I, what we give is finite, but what Jesus has given is eternal. And it was already given to us in our baptism. And the peace that he gives us is his very self. And that is why when we act like peacemakers, we become his and him in the world. His children, his archetypes, his reflectors, his mirrors, you know, however word you want to use, we are Christ in the world. I know it's so dumb to say this, but you may be the only Jesus somebody sees. That's the truth. I, I don't find that corny at all. I think that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. That is so true. And there's so many false Jesuses parading around. <laughs> you know? The Beatitudes, even in the early church, the Beatitudes were really given as a litmus to identify if someone was a Christian or not. Like, they were like, are, you know, did you give up your, your stuff? Materially. Material poverty was actually more of a real condition to that then it, you know in the early early church with the early disciples they actually did give all their stuff away and followed him or started the church you know but you know for us it becomes an interior poverty that we're looking for that interior poorness of spirit but coming back to peacemaking and being pure in heart I think it's interesting that we're talking about being persecuted too in this podcast you know, like he says Blessed or no, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we're persecuted for thinking the way God thinks and interacting with people the way that God interacts with them, we've already inherited. Well, and I heard somebody say one time that if the devil's leaving you alone, that's when you know you're doing something wrong. <laughs> when the devil takes notice. Yeah. And he starts coming at you. That's when you know you're doing something right. Because if you're not living the life that God wants you to live, he's like, oh, I don't have to worry about that person. Like, that person's fine. They're doing what I want them to do. It's fine. But then you start ordering your life towards God and start growing in relationship with him. And he goes, wait a minute. 
because you're having a conversion. I don't want you to have that conversion, and your conversion can affect other people oh, yeah, and will. bring about their conversion. Will it can affect. be a domino effect, and he doesn't want that to happen. And so I think that's important, too, when like you think of um, you know Jesus' parables where he talks about how you know the seed falls on... I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, like the, you know, like the... the Yeah, and the weeds come up and choke it out and stuff that, like, I don't remember which one of those it was, but, you know, people start growing in their faith that they hear the word and they grow a little bit in it, but the worries of the world come and they choke it out and the, you know, difficulties in life come and they choke it out. But that's just, if you're you're allowing that to happen, you're allowing the worries of the world and the difficulties you're experiencing or the doubts that you might have to choke out your faith and eliminate it, then you're actually saying yes to the devil and his plan for you and no to God. And I think when you look at it like that, it's like, oh, my word, <laughs> like, that is not what I want. I do not want to side with the devil at all because he only wants your destruction. So, you know, he talks about, Jesus also talks about rejoice, like be glad mm-hmm. when people are persecuting you for my sake, because that is when you know you're doing something right. And if you order yourself towards me, you focus on me instead of the things that are going on with you, you're going to be able to persevere through that. Um, and I want to, sorry, I want to say one more thing before I forget to, and I think maybe you said this already in either this episode or one of the previous episodes on the Beatitudes, but talking about the kingdom of God, I didn't know for a long time what that actually meant. Cause like praying the, our father saying, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I'm like, well, what does that actually mean? Cause like sometimes the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven as in, like, you know, actually heaven, it seems. Or it sometimes it talks about, like, you know, in my life currently. And I'm like, well, what does it mean? And I had a visiting priest at our church uh, this last weekend, and he was taught discussing what it actually means. He was saying that it was the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is the sovereignty, the dominion, and the reign of God in our own lives and the lives of our family, the community and the world. And when, so when we, so if we say that, if Jesus is telling us, um, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He's telling them that you're, you're allowing God's dominion and his reign to come into your life and allow him to take over um, and to live in your heart. And then to kind of, I would spread out to those who, who you encounter and affect those you encounter and really bring his kingdom about on the, world, on the earth. So you were talking about the um, the seed and then the one the seed that ended up being choked out by the weeds. And then there's also the parable just a couple weeks ago. Well, I guess it'll be further when this is released, but about the grain that grew up with the weeds and then during harvest, how they had to separate the weeds from the green. And I think that that's pertinent here also, because if we, even when we, we feel like we're being choked by the weeds, if we persevere in our faith and keep focused on God and order towards God, like you're saying, that when that time comes, when the, you know, the last days, then when the weeds and the wheat are separated, then hopefully we are among the wheat and not the weeds. So like, I I think I love that you brought up that parable because then it made me think of that one. And I felt like that went really well with this last beatitude also that we stay so focused on God's righteousness and 
we live within a world of persecution that when the weeds and the wheat are separated that we're rewarded with God's kingdom. I just wanted to point out what this last um, beatitude is not, though. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Does not. It's not saying that you should be abused or that you right. should be um, continuing to just live through abuse. Like right. this is not saying that if you're in an abusive situation, you just keep on going because blessed are you. Like you just gotta. You got to stick in that. Um, yes, there is. Um, God will turn things to good, but that that is not condoning any type of abuse. Absolutely. So I wanted to kind of touch on that and just make sure, like, that our listeners are really like. Because I know that I've heard that many times where it's like, well, I'm just. This is just what I, you know, the, the cross I'm bearing. Um, but that's that's not what God's calling is. Like, he's not what he's not. Um, that would be enabling right. sin and yeah. it would not bring about the kingdom right. on this earth. Yeah. It would not be merciful to enable someone to continue to abuse you and to do things. It would not be, in any sense, the right thing to do. And forgiveness well, and mercy does not mean continuing Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, with anything in the Bible, you have to look at it within context and not just the context around which, you know, the Sermon on the Mount happened. Right. But you have to look at the whole of the Bible yeah. and what is Jesus saying in these other areas and how do they interconnect? Because the Bible, as much as there are apparent contradictions in the Bible, the Bible does not actually contradict not itself. Once. And so if you have, if you struggle with it, so like, you know, for instance, we talked in the first episode of, of the Beatitudes about the poor in spirit. I used to think that meant that I had to give all of my stuff away. I didn't know really what that <laughs> meant because I hadn't done the research to know what is the context surrounding this. And it's very overwhelming, but that's the reason why we have a church that has, you know, learnt, like studied this and meditated on this and come up with answers to these questions over the course of the last 2,000 years. There's, you know, so many talks and books you can read on this kind of stuff that you don't have to go to the Bible and just read it yourself and then try to figure it out. You know, it's, it's a very, it can be a very confusing book, and that's why we have the church. In the context, you know, yeah. the writing... I also think that to your to your point about the different soils that the seed falls on, I think part of this whole kingdom coming through the Beatitudes is to bring rain on the earth. And not the rain of the kingdom in that sense of the rain of power, but actual rain. And what happens to soil when it rains? It gets soft. And when we are obeying God, in our life and allowing this kingdom to come about in our life, we actually will be rain, allowing the Holy Spirit to reign on that soil that you're talking about. So that when these, the seed is falling, the people around us, the soil is much softer than it would have been otherwise had we not been allowing this rain to come in our lives. So that when that seed falls, it can take root better. It's, it's hydrated, it's able to hold on to the seed. And, it's so true what you're saying that when we are converted, the reason the enemy doesn't like that, it's not because of one down. It's not because of you. It's because life multiplies. The nature of life and love spreads and it's the fecundity of the Holy Spirit. It's fruitful. It replenishes. You know, it makes more of itself. So like it, it spreads to everyone around us. 
when we let God do this. And then it waters these the soil of the people's hearts around us. And all of a sudden they can receive the word of God when we've been meek in a way they wouldn't have if we had been, you know, handing it to them when they deserved it. So there's a supernatural, there's a mystical sense that that this is actually going to impact other people around us when we make these choices. And I think that's why God speaks so hard to us about this sometimes. That's why, you know, Alicia and I were talking about how our angels have literally clapped their hands over our mouths about commenting <laughs> online about stuff before. It said, shut, shutty. Like, because we, you know, strong-minded, strong opinions. But that's not what we're here for. We're here for love. And at that time, to be meek was the right thing to do. And the Holy Spirit knows those dividends and knows how far that, that water's gonna run. And I just, I think that we can't fall short of, lit, of seeing this from a mystical standpoint. The church does not. And so we need to take that seriously too. For those who didn't know, and you, I think you explained it, but I didn't get it, fecundity. Is the ability to produce an abundance of offspring or new growth. So you kind of already explained that, but I didn't get it. And so I'm just saying. Uh, one of the images that came to mind when you talked about the softening of the soil, and I started thinking about the softening of the heart and before you said it. And so I, I loved where you were going. But I also thought about Pharaoh, mm -hmm. whose heart was hardened. And I think that a lot of times, you know, and I'm thinking about these parables and everything, I'm like, the weeds are where the heart is hardened, and the, mm -hmm. and the wheat is where the heart is softened and the, the, allowed the rain to come in, the Holy Spirit to come in and, and do the work. I have a whole other view now after these three episodes about the, the Beatitudes. Um, I never really saw them. I mean, I saw them as actions, but not in the way that we talked about them tonight. And as always, you know, all beautifully lined out for us because Jesus does that right he beautifully lines out everything for us and I hope through this discussion that we've I, I know my heart has been softened through this discussion I mean hopefully it was already softened but it's been more softened so you know I, I've been able to receive this word in a different way and I hope we've been able to do some of that for you all or sparked your interest into diving deeper into the subject there's so much that's been written on this subject. It's a little overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, if you look it up, you just, you know, Google so many encyclicals. It's, it's overwhelming. But there's, hopefully we can make some recommendations for you of things that have made it more real and clear for us. And then we can pass that along to you. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then... May God bless you, and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.